Hello, friends. This episode is with Steve McKnight. Steve McKnight is the president and the CEO of the ABCD Corp. That's the Altoona Blair County Development Corporation. I live in Blair County in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and I'm very honored to have Steve on the podcast because he heads up an organization that helps make this area thrive, that helps it to survive and to get better. That's what the ABCD Corp. is all about. You can go to abcdcorp.org for more information. And also, Steve heads up the First Frontier. You can check them out on Facebook at Altoona Blair County. The First Frontier is in Blair County. Their goal is pretty simple, to attract, retain, and engage talented, creative, and passionate people in Blair County. Since I had Steve on my podcast, I guess I fall into that category. (laughs) (laughs) Can I pat myself on the back? Ow. What they do is they share stories, information, events, opportunities, and generally celebrating all things that make our area, Blair County, the first frontier, unique, authentic, interesting, unexpected, and quirky, but also vibrant, which is exactly how I like to describe myself. Let's get this thing started by thanking our sponsors who all also make our area. If you're not from the Altoona, Hollidaysburg, Blair County, Central PA area, man, um, you know, we're, we're thriving right now. We're growing, and I'm very happy to be a part of that here in the Launchbox Studios in downtown Altoona. Thank you to the sponsors, Harlequin Pepper Yoga, brand new sponsor on the podcast. It's a vinyasa-style yoga rooted in science that focuses on functional movement and anatomical alignment. I love yoga myself. Over the past year, I've been doing yoga, and it has transformed my body It's getting rid of injuries. It's helping me be more in tune with myself, stronger, mind, body, and soul. And I'm not just saying that as a plug. I I truly, deeply believe in the power of yoga. They combine traditional yoga philosophy and creative movement that is appropriate for all levels of practitioners. They also have an app, so you can get the app. Search Harlequin Pepper Yoga in the App Store or on Google Play. That's H-A-R-L-E. Q-U-I-N, Harlequin Pepper Yoga, 320 Allegheny Street in Hollidaysburg, at Harlequin Pepper Yoga on Facebook and Instagram. And a shout out also right down the street from Harlequin Pepper Yoga is Juice in downtown Hollidaysburg. They're located at 517 Allegheny Street in Hollidaysburg at The Juice Bar on Facebook and Instagram, J-O-O-S, The Juice Bar. I love Juice because uh, Jen, who has a couple of episodes here on the podcast, incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly passionate, and went from a career as a, um, as a health insurance salesperson and decided to take health insurance into her own hands by making healthy foods, healthy drinks, healthy beverages, products that can make your body stronger, healthier, work better, uh, you know, and just avoid the, the plague that right now we experience in the United States of America of unhealthiness. So that's what juice is all about. Uh, she has cold pressed juice and smoothies, smoothie bowls, bone broth, everything made fresh to order. You can stay up to date on their Facebook, on their Instagram at the juice bar. Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you check Jen out. Make sure you check Juice out for yourself. If you want to be a member of the podcast, say you want to, you know, sell something on the podcast. That would be awesome. I'd love to have you on. Just send me a message on my Facebook, on my Instagram, Rob Z Radio. And I think it's about time that we get this show started. This is Rob Z Radio. So, are we ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Steve McKnight in the studio, which sounds like a, either a superhero name or a rock star name. 
Yeah, both. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. yeah no, it's it, it could be it could be either. I think. Um, thank you, first of all, for. Uh, I guess I want to thank you for a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Number one, for giving me the space here in the Launchbox Studios. It's very honored that you guys would let me come in have a room to set my podcast up so I, I was out of my basement my furnace wasn't kicking on every 30 seconds mm-hmm. as I tried to do a podcast and it's just it's great to be in a place where people are excited to come here and work and we'll get into what Launchbox is all about yeah. um, but just thank you for letting me have the space yeah number no, one it, 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 it's a you know it's really a team effort you know Penn State Altoona um, seeing the, the vision for uh, uh, Launchbox and, and the timing being right you know so much going on in downtown Altoona again which we can get into but um, uh, the whole startup environment is such a key part of economic development and uh, you know so there are a lot of people that have worked together for many many years to finally get to this point so you know it's not just ABCD Corporation it's 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 Penn State it's the local business owners it's the folks that have been here on 11th and 12th avenues especially for years and years that have finally you know created this uh, base of activity and it's pretty exciting to see so if anybody is from the area or if you're listening from outside of the central Pennsylvania area where I broadcast from, uh, it's just, it's, I th- imagine this happens in every small town across the country or across the world, right? I- I've lived in this area my whole life and I've seen the downtown area never doing anything. It was always kind of just stagnant. Uh, it just seemed like a lot of poverty and, and a lot of empty buildings and nothing had been happening for a long time. And that was kind of like Altoona in general, in mm-hmm. in, in my viewpoint. I just yeah. I never had a lot of excitement for the area. And I always was like, when am I going to get out of here? Yeah. When can I go? Yeah. And I never left. And I'm really happy. I'm really happy that I decided to... I, I didn't choose this path necessarily. I mean, I guess I did technically choose the path. But I'm glad I decided to stay mm-hmm. because it seems like right now we're in a resurgence period for our area that is exciting. It feels like things are brand new. It feels like things are happening and I'm meeting people who are excited about their business. They're excited to really make things happen and bring this area back to, I, I guess, a, a prosperity point where it used to be even before I was ever born. Mm-hmm. And you're a, a fairly integral part of that. How does that feel to you and what does it mean to you to try to, have you lived here your whole life? No, no. I, I grew up here. I, I was born in uh, Hollysburg, Duncan. I was born okay. in Altoona. Grew up in Hollysburg, Duncansville. So it's my home. It's my hometown. Mm-hmm. Boomerang twice. So moved away uh, to DC for a number of years and came back uh, and uh, and was here uh, for again eight, seven, eight years and then moved away and came back. So it's a you know a double boomeranger for me. But. Um, you know, you, you're right. I mean, you're you're accurate in your observation. The, the thing is, is and the story of Altoona is a story of thousands of third-class cities, you know, across the country, especially in the in the Rust Belt, Mid-Atlantic area that, mm-hmm. you know, had a, a very rich uh, manufacturing industrial past. Of course, ours was embedded in rail. Uh, Pittsburgh, of course, being a steel capital and, and playing such an important part in the Industrial Revolution. You know, over time, uh, the economy's changed, market changes, consumer tastes change, and you've started to see this 
di- diaspora, you know, people leaving places like ours that, that were the bedrock of the economy, national economies for so many years to bigger cities in the south and, you know, inventions like air conditioning, you know, made it possible to move to Phoenix, Arizona, if that's where you want to be. It, you know, I think the average temperature this, this summer was 108 degrees. Um, not a place where you, you should live naturally, uh, right. you know, but uh, that's what happened, you know, and, and cities like ours, um, you know, saw that. But what's, the, what's really cool about it now is it's a younger generation. It's, it's sort of, you know, we, we uh, ABCD Corporation, all of the businesses here kept the lights on, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that there was going to be a time uh, where places like ours are going to rise again and be a part of the future economy. And, and I think we're ready for that now. You know, you're seeing it. You're seeing the next generation of investors, business people like you, um, and so many of the other folks that are part of Launchbox and, 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 and the Clay Cup and Railroad City Brewing. I mean, these places are, are now taking hold because the next generation of business owners see the value in places like this. And we're off. We're off to the races. You know, I think it, it, the future is so very, very bright. And the investment track line, you know, it, that we're seeing right now is very strong and robust. It's, it's, it's pretty cool to see. What caused it all to happen? Like, what was the turnaround point? Because for such a long time, downtown Altoona, and like you said, this applies to every small town across America, especially in the Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. This town was built because of the railroad. That's the yep. reason it was here. Yep. How did it happen now? Like, what is going on that's bringing all this back? Well, sometimes you, you, you have a little luck um, and sometimes a lot of luck, you know, to sort of keep the energy going. And in our case, we had Penn State Altoona mm-hmm. as a major um, economic driver, uh, higher ed um, and the medical community, the healthcare system. You know, you have two very big market drivers in those in those institutions that were here and albeit not for them, you know, not for Penn State. Dr. Lori Bechtel, the chancellor, you know, recognizing that um, the success of our economy relies on a healthy and robust downtown, um, especially a downtown, um, making investment decisions um, to renovate buildings, um, to a, to create the atmosphere at a, a real fundamental level that says, look, you know, we're here, we're going to create the foot traffic, we're going to get students in the downtown, we're going to get some faculty members in the downtown, we're going to save some of these buildings that may have otherwise, you know, hit the wrecking ball like so many of them have had to do in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, That created the foundation. And uh, now you're, I think the tipping point is just simply a generation of people with a different vision. You know, they don't want to be on all on Pleasant Valley Boulevard. They don't want to be in drive-only areas. You know, they want to be in areas with density, character, um, lots of little uh, what we call opportunities for unscripted moments of interaction, right, where people from different cultures and tastes and family structures, you know, come together, and that generally happens in, in cities. And we are a small city. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we, we are what it's so tough sometimes for people to recognize that, but we have enough of a city environment that attracts enough people now that they're starting to see, you know, how cool this, a place like this can be. And we call them pioneers, you know, they're re-pioneering 11th and 12th Avenue in, in their vision. You know, you're part of that. You don't have to be here. You know, you, you could be any place you wanted to be, but you chose Mm -hmm. to be here. And I think that sort of like that cultural, 
dynamic is what's so important. That's what's creating the shift. And, and ABCD Corporation and others are sort of conduits to kind of help it along, you know, hold the hand, make sure they cross the finish line and whatever idea that they have. And that's an important role to play, but it's, uh, it's more of a, a facilitating role to play, you know, in, in the whole scheme of things. I think another beautiful part of it is that uh, the Internet's come along and made things so accessible mm. for anybody. So there's no real ne- necessary need to travel if you want to make it to be in New York yeah. or be in Los Angeles. You can be in your town. Yeah. And you can make it happen there. And I, I was just talking to we've had I've had Sarah on the podcast before from the Clay Cup. I was talking to her like, you know, you can have a business where you sell a product, and of course you can sell it in the store. But the e-commerce end of it mm-hmm. is it's so vast. There's so much yeah. money to be made, and you never have to leave your house. You never have to leave you know your area. And for me, that was a huge selling point. Uh, you know, I was in radio for so many years, and the classic radio DJ thing is. You bounce around town to town, yeah. city to city, station to station, and I never really wanted to do that. It never appealed to me. So when I when I was sitting there thinking, like, how am I going to solve this equation without getting out of the without traveling and bouncing all over? I'm like, well, it's here. Podcasting is here. You know, YouTube is is huge. Facebook is every social media platform. There's money to be made. You don't need to go anywhere anymore. Yeah, and that was the exciting part for me. Yeah, I, you know, we I I cite it all the time. I, I do a lot of you know presentations and you know talking about market trends. And um, when Thomas Friedman wrote the book The World Is Flat, and you know he wrote that in uh, the early two thousands, I believe it was. And so it's it's many many years old. And, and back then, even you know back then, right <laughs> in the two thousand two two thousand three timeline, the world wasn't as flat as it was that his book was more predictive he was saying the world is flat it's going to get flatter folks you know you better be ready for flat it. earthers huh right yeah, absolutely you know so so the technology has enabled you know so many disruptions to, to occur yeah. and one of the big disruptions is um you know this sort of realization that you do not need to be tied to any one place for any uh real market reason um Talent is critical. Talent is sort of the new commodity. I mean, that mm-hmm. it's always been the commodity, but it's more so now. So people, you know, and businesses in order to start up, you know, they're basically just looking for pipelines of people with, um, you know, various interests. But it's not it's not market driven because the, uh, the the you can reach any market that you want. I, I look I look at some of these Main Street businesses that are happening. And, you know, if you're under the age of and I'm just going to pick a, a random age, let's say 30. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, you know, I'm 49, I'm going to be 50. I'm out, you know, I'm the, I'm already out of this, this conversation. But, um, if you're under 30 and you see a small shop on one of our main streets, um, there's an assumption that you're doing e-commerce. I mean, it just, it, you know, you, you, no one looks at that as an unusual thing anymore. Yeah. I think if you're over, say, 45 or 50 and you look at that and you're like, how's that business ever going to make it? Right. Right? Now, right. Those are the two mindsets. You're like, how's that Main Street business going to make it there? And meanwhile, you know, the shop owner has boxes in the back, corrugated boxes, and they're just selling stuff and packaging it and shipping it off. And UPS is like rolling up and it's going global, right? Yeah. And it's just a matter of perspective. You know, you just know that's the way business is done and it's going to increasingly be just a part of the economy. And that's enabling a lot of these small businesses to to set up, as as you said, you know, just it's the reach. The reach is global instant. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it, it is. It's it's a beautiful thing, and it, it's a 
relieving kind of thing, right? It's not cool. the the stress and the pressure of making it is not as intense. Not that I would know. I've, I've never. This is my first venture. I'm now like nine months into my own business, but just watching throughout my life working in small town radio, seeing small businesses come and go like crazy, it seems like at this point in time, if you can get the e-commerce part of it right, you're going to be okay. I mean, of course, it's still going to be a, an uphill battle, but there's the the system is now set up in your advantage more so than ever before. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it's absolutely set up for, for you to win if you're a small business, if you're a, if you, even if you're a product manufacturer, right? I mean, you don't want to get into sort of too much of this sort of traditional economic development thinking, but the, the reality is that you can develop a product now that in 2002, in order for you to develop a new product, you would have had to have a major um, financial sponsor of some sort, an mm -hmm. angel investor, to get you to the point where you can do a prototype, right? Prototype, there's a magic number. It's always like 50,000 bucks to do a prototype. And then you've got to get to manufacturing scale, and that would mean China, you know, or some some place where they're going to do, do contract manufacturing for you. Um, now, you can 3D manufacture your, your – you can do that here, right, up at Catalyst Space. And our yeah. friends up there – It's uh, the floor above us. They're yeah, doing it right now. Yeah, Justin and Andrew. I mean, these guys are, are phenomenal, and they've got so much programming going on. It's, it's very cool, especially for the younger generation. But that, that's the point. It's, you know, younger people know no barriers. They're just saying, look, I want to create a new – form of a cup or I want to do, you know, a new prosthetic limb for a dog that, you know, I just, Rob, you know, you and I were talking about my dog getting injured. Mm -hmm. Immediately I was like, oh, yeah, I can go to Andrew. Maybe we can see if I can get some prosthetic, you know, set up if fortunately he's going to hopefully do okay. He's doing better. But, That's good. But, it, but there's no barrier, right? It's like make the product and then, you know, then you can get an investor to come in and say, look, touch it, feel it. Those barriers were so tremendous. Um, even for product manufacturers in yeah. 2002 that aren't there now. And even 2010. Uh, 2010, right? right. I mean, 2012. I mean, right. It's, just, I mean, it's, it's so it's, new. Disruptions in the market um, for new inventions or new ways of doing business are are going to occur at least once every year. They're, that's the sort of the new Moore's law. You know, Moore's law. You, you sort of looked at computer speeds and tried to figure out, you know, how often things were going to change. And it went from every 10 years to five years to two years. And now we're less than a year that every year there's going to be something that's going to create absolute upheaval and turmoil in the way that we do business. And if you're not comfortable with that dynamic in today's environment, you're not going to be in business very long. And, yeah. and that's just the way it goes. you got to set it up. What you're doing here is is completely representative of, I think, what the new economy looks like. Yeah, and it's it's uh, I guess at some point in time it's very daunting and scary, right? It's like wow, there's so much information, there's too much to take in. But then at the same point in time, if you immerse yourself in it and you really hone in on a niche or whatever it is that you love to do, it becomes less intimidating. But when when you look at it as like this vast, the the, the opportunity is endless. But there's almost too much, yeah. right? It's like overwhelming uh, as your options go. Yeah. If you can narrow that down and find the thing it is that you want to do and find out how to do it or find the people who know how to do it to help you get there, you're not going to have an issue surviving. Yeah. And, it, and I think it's even scary. It's, it's probably maximum terror um, for uh, 
let's see, how, how old are you? 34. Okay, yeah, you're probably right in the maximum terror zone. Um, <laughs> I like that see, term. I'm, I'm kind of on the, on the, I'm far enough away from it, it's kind of interesting, and, you know, we can do macro stuff. You're right in the middle of it, because you've got one foot in the remembering how hard it was to do business. Yes. And one foot in the, oh, look how easy things are now, right? Yeah. Uh, I look at my daughter, you know, at, at six, when she moves into the, you know, the employment phase or career phase or whatever, I don't know if they're going to know, they're not going to know what it was like. So yeah. I don't know what they're going to fear. It's just going to be like, this is where we go, right? This is what we do. And I, um, the uh, new uh, iPad commercial that's out, and I, I'm going to do a presentation next week, and, I, and I, I have it embedded in my slide deck. It's like, you know, this little girl she's probably like seven or eight and she's like walking around with her ipad and she's doing all kinds of stuff and interacting and her mom's like uh hey what are you doing on that computer and she's like what's a computer right i'm like there you go i mean that's exactly where we're at you know they there's there's just no old school terminology for things anymore the barriers have have been created or have been reduced to such a point that you know who knows what comes next it is wild it's so crazy right and i've been trying lately to really make sure that I talk to young kids. And I had two mm-hmm. kids in here last week, they were 19. And just getting their perspective on things mm-hmm. and just understanding where they're coming from. And and also I was trying to tell, that they wanted to learn social media from me and I was like, guys, I need to learn social media <laughs> from you. Because right. you, you grew up with it, so you didn't know what it was like to not have it. Yeah. So your advantage over somebody who's 34 or somebody who's 49 or somebody who's 59 like i mean the the incredible advantage of growing up with the thing is unbelievable like you just mm-hmm. need to learn the sales and marketing end of it because you already know what it is how it works yeah. where it's going you're going to adapt so quickly like my son's 3 i don't know where he learns what he learns right. but he knows how to he knows my passcode on my ipad yeah, yeah. i don't know how he learned it yeah. He knows how to skip the YouTube ads. I don't know how he learned. I'm like, where are you figuring this yeah. stuff out at? It's unbelievable. Well, I, I'm like, I'm looking at your mouse over there. Is that a tethered mouse? You actually have a tethered mouse? Yeah, these are old computers. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> so I took, I took, uh, you know, uh, when my daughter started elementary school and, and we, we were touring the, and not that, you know, this is not a critique of the uh, school systems. I mean, there's only so much equipment and, you know, new state-of-the-art stuff any school system can take on, but... They have beautiful computers, but a tethered mouse. Right? <laughs> she's never, she's never seen a tethered mouse in her life, and she's literally has never seen a keyboard before in a traditional sense. Because she's just on iPad. She's an iPad, right? Yeah. It's all touch and go. And uh, so we showed her the computer lab, and she got the tour, and she's like, you know, what is that? And I said, <laughs> it's a mouse. And she's like, no, it's not. I know what a mouse is. A mouse is furry, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. We never had this conversation about what a mouse is and why, how you use it because now your hand, you have to get hand-eye coordination to actually work it where she's been touch and go, you know, um, touch screen kind of stuff. So you're like, wow, it's just, we had to actually draw her back a bit, you know, into an older technology, you know, to kind of get jump-started. And of course, she's okay with it now. But um, th- those are your pause points. That's when you recognize, you know, well, they're not going to deal with this stuff anymore unless they think it's like, cool retro i mean there'll be some retro stuff you know yeah. happening in the in the future but yeah sure um yeah i mean the channels channels for communication are are set up and they're so fluid that um we we don't know what we don't know at this point in economic development that's a very scary situation by the way you've got a 
it's like jumping out of a spaceship and yeah. just like whoop all right trying to you stay know, ahead of the curbs almost impossible because you it, don't know what's coming around the corner it is i mean we're just trying to position i mean uh, economic development as a profession you know is has a lot of adapting to do and here you know with with our organization and our our team you know we've we've just committed to the culture of of everything's moving at warp speed and you know we just know that we need to continue to make sure we have some buildings that are going to be renovated we need know the downtown needs to tip further and we know that um, there's going to be people coming into our community from other areas that either one have never lived here or two they've been boomerangers and they're going to come back and they're going to have expectations mm -hmm. about a community in order for them to stay here and, and get rooted and and that's what economic development now is all about is just bringing as many people back into the community and get them as rooted as possible so they don't leave so they you know have a good long prosperous community contribution to, to give and that's that's what we're all about at this point so tell me a little bit about your history your background and how you ended up in the position that you're at with ABCD Corp yeah so, so yeah, so I grew up here locally. I moved away. We got into uh, public policy work down in D.C. in the transportation space for a number of years and um, had an opportunity to come back and actually run Blue Knob. I've been, I'm a big skier. Our family's a big hmm. skier. I met my wife skiing. Now my daughter's a big skier. So we, we love the um, winter and, and the alpine environment. And um, so we, I had this great opportunity to go back and work at Blue Knob, um, the local ski resort here. So I was GM up there for three years. And it was during that tenure that I met Marty Morasco and the guys at ABCD Corporation. And um, so when I left Blue Knob, um, I was actually trying to actively sell the, the resort um, for the current owners at the time. And it, and it did just actually recently sold. So it only took 23 years for the sale to take place. <laughs> um, it didn't happen on my watch. Um, and But I got to meet these guys and I was like, wow, economic the actual practice of economic development was an awesome thing. And so I, I joined up with ABCD back in 2000, and uh, and then I worked with Marty in, uh, through 2008, met my wife during that time, moved to Pittsburgh after she finished up with her PhD at Penn State. And um, and then I went, uh, obviously we were in Pittsburgh, and I, I got into the economic development consulting business. So we were doing site selection, working with communities across the country, um, helping their economies grow. And uh, ultimately, when Marty decided he was going to retire, I threw my hat in the ring and uh, we, you know, we were able to bring the family back. So that's, you know, how we landed here. And that's been almost two years now since since we've been back. So you, you were helping areas like our area mm -hmm. throughout the country bounce back. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of got you the passion to want to help our area bounce back? Like, what was your driving force for it? Yeah, I think I've always had the passion, you know, to help, the, you know, always like to be sort of work for the home team, right? And, uh, you know, we want to see your own area be the best that it can possibly be. So having the opportunity to come back was really mind-boggling. But, yeah, in, in retrospect, I don't think, you know, we could I, – I wouldn't have been as prepared to do this job unless I moved away for eight years and worked – for hundreds of communities across the country and yeah. sort of learn what worked and what didn't and now apply that those best practices here. Um, but we did. We worked with a lot of smaller communities like Altoona and Blair County, but we also worked with some big cities too and sort of understood the ecosystem of the big city, you know, sort of why some do better than others and sort of how they work. So, But there's lessons to be learned from the the big cities um, to be applied here as well. I would imagine, right? Because Altoona's in the middle. Are we in the middle of a small town in the big city? What's our our yeah. stance? 
Yeah, we're we're still we're still small city. Okay, um, we're still small city. Uh, you know, but there's more of us, right? There's yeah. more small cities. There's only you know, say a couple hundred what we call class two, class one twos, and there's very few class ones. You know, the New Yorks, uh, the Philadelphias of the world, the Chicago's. You know, they're they're the ones that sort of you think of when you think of city. But there's more class twos, which is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's mm. a class two city. But when you get to class three cities, which are the smallest thousands of them across the the country and, yeah. and we fall into that category basically less than a hundred thousand you know folks and, and we're we're less than fifty thousand at this point the city of altoona and as far as your take on our area blair county of altoona mm-hmm. and, and i guess since you've worked with so many small cities throughout the country where do we stand as far as being able to bounce back? As, I guess two questions: What would yeah. be what you did for other cities to help them bounce back, and what are you gonna, what are you trying to do with our area from what you've learned in the past to make it happen yeah. here? Well, there's two simple questions, really, and and, and it doesn't. I mean, it's simple, but uh, the questions are simple. The answers yeah. are hard. <laughs> right. The uh, question is, you know, what sets you apart? from all other places. I mean, that's your value proposition. You have to ask that question. And that's where you start sort of your economic soul searching of, of like, well, okay, what is it that sets us apart? Um, and then the second part of that is, what's your, what are your economic drivers? You know, what is really driving your current economy now and what would be driving it in the future? So you start with those two points. And here in Altoona, you know, what our, our, our value proposition um, and we just went through this exercise um, last year, um, is a bit of a twofold value proposition. One is we've got proximity to some major metro markets. So, I mean, our, our location to 40% of the nation's population is, is in a real sweet spot, right? The second thing we have uh, going for us is our environment. Um, right now, you know, mountain towns, and this is why we've been, we revamped our marketing materials, we revamped our website, we've repositioned a lot of our narrative to make sure we emphasize what's great about this place is we've got a beautiful mountain environment. Um, and again, people call us a railroad town, and I know why, but the rail was here because of the mountains. Mm-hmm. The mountains were here before the rail, mm-hmm. and, the, and the horseshoe curve is an engineering feat to get over the Allegheny Front. Now those same mountains are bringing people back to recreate and then ultimately to fall in love with areas like ours and have four seasons and have the outdoor um, you know, experience. And we're so close to so many of those people that all of that bodes really, really well for the future of, of an area like ours. And then and then folks you know, that want to come in and say, I want to get in on the ground floor of this of this change, of this renaissance. And uh, so those are those are um, you know, those are the starting points for rethinking, you know, how your economy is going to move forward. I, I'm, uh, when I look at our area, it's hard, I guess, because I've lived here for so long to see what somebody who would come in from the outside and study it would see, right? Yeah. When you're talking to people about our area and you've seen other areas bounce back, I mean, have you, what's, do you have an example of like an area that you helped that you, you saw them go from one place to the next, like a poverty level to a, uh, you know, a success yeah, level, or how does that work? Yeah, well, it, it takes a, it takes a while. So yeah. within the past few years, uh, you know, like we worked in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We worked in South Bend, Indiana. We did we did a whole project for the state of Indiana where they have a lot of third class cities that, you know, are trying to reinvent themselves and do different you know do different things. 
um, and, and, and the story still being written, right? So we're, yeah. we're going to watch how they implement some of the things that we were looking at. But a lot of those are, are, are things like leverage your higher education, you know, make sure that you communicate and set up social media platforms that reach um, people who may not be living in the area right now, but have a cultural alignment to come back to a place like yours, especially the expats, you know, the people that were born here, grew up here, went to school here, and then they moved away. And then they reach a certain point in their lives where they're like, you know what, I think I could move back to whatever that location is. Yeah. Make sure your housing stock is in good place. Make sure that you're presenting yourself as a community and from a place-based environment, you know, well enough that people come back and they say, hey, needle's moving up, right? You're not moving down. You're not, you know, taking your eye off the ball. You know, your sidewalks aren't cracked and you've got weeds growing up all over the place. I mean, those are the subtle things that in economic development mean a whole lot and you sometimes overlook them because you may be thinking, well, all you do is build a big, you know, warehouse and somehow magically manufacturing jobs show up. You know, right. it's really on the the micro level, the small things that make the difference that then draw the big investment, you know, over time. Um, so you That's know, That's the case in anything, right? You try to do something big right off the bat, it's usually not gonna happen. Yeah, it's be that small steps. Small steps, yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's what's noticed. I mean, I'm, I just can't emphasize that enough that, you know, if, if somebody is coming back into the area and they're looking to invest, you know, a CapEx of 20 plus million dollars, they're thinking about their brand too. They're thinking yeah. about, do I want my brand to be associated with your brand? And yeah. your brand is the way that you present in, in economic and community development. It's what, how you present yourself. You know, what do you, do you show that you care? And if you don't, how are you going to care about my brand? You know, all of that stuff is interwoven. It tells a story. Um, so, so those, so those are the things that matter. You know, you think of Boise, Idaho, Boise, Idaho, you know, you've got, um, uh, Boise state, uh, university there. And for many, many years, it was a, uh, town that was sleeping. It was falling, you know, it had, uh, basically logging, uh, natural, uh, resource extraction. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, the city got together with the university, similar to what we've done here over time, and basically said, how do we create, you know, the best place possible? And Boise owned their outdoor environment, and they said, this is a great place to not only go to school and, you know, start a business, but live, you know, and that's, uh, you know, and again, going back to your technology point, that's what enables it. You know, technology enables people to go to places where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that, then you understand the economic development equation. You know, how do you fit in? You're not going to appeal to everyone. Some people are going to want to live in Boise. Some people are going to want to live in LA. And some people are going to want to live here. Mm -hmm. So you've got to find the people that want to live here and invest here and then, you know, talk to them and, and, and help them invest. If you're not changing the minds of big city people. You're just trying to find the people that fit the right spot. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Boise because I actually have a friend who does a podcast in Boise, Idaho. Uh, shout out to David Dickman. I don't know if he's listening or not, but he's a great dude. And what he does in Boise is his podcast is talking to people who are kind of like what we're doing right now, mm -hmm. talking to people who are bringing back their area, bringing yeah. back their city and making it strong again, because that was kind of his point when we first, we've never actually met in person, but we've talked many times. And his thing was, you know, it's, he's lived there his whole life. He's seen the downturn and he's seen the upswing and it's mm -hmm. in the upswing right now. So he's capturing that. Yeah that part of it. And that's kind of the point of this podcast. I have many 
many reasons for this podcast, but one of them is because I've lived here for a long time and I'm actually seeing it happen now mm. in my area that I've been living here for 34 years. I talk to people who are actually excited to get up in the morning. They're excited for their job. It's fun to meet new people. Mm. I ran around with some people for a long time, not saying any names, not calling anybody out, yeah. but for a long time it would seem so stagnant and nobody really wanted yeah. to do anything or make anything happen. Yeah, I call it um, economic development evangelism you know we're we're evangelists for the area and what you're doing is developing again another channel to get that message out to appeal to the right people who mm-hmm. want to come back and invest that's what they do in boise you know we in in the economic development world have never used social media very well of course it's been around long enough for us to really say we use it well or not but you know we started a, a thing as you know called voices from the first frontier which is a video thing that we do um, and uh, definitely not as glitzy and, and, and as equipped as, as you are as a professional in the field, but the more channels we do, I mean, none of this stuff competes. It's all complementary. You know, mm-hmm. the more podcasts that are done, the more uh, videos that are done, you know, Artel Tuna has their channels set up. Mm-hmm. You know, the more stories it just spider webs out and it creates um, the, the right story for people that are sitting out there to say, the needle's moving up. I want to be a part of that get here, you know, don't, we're not down on ourselves. We're saying, yeah, if you want to be a part of it, come back, you know, we, we are. And I, I, I think when you move the narrative in that direction and you use these channels that you're, you've got set up and, and other places have, have, are doing the same, you know, you're going you're gonna to meet with success. I think some people feel differently about it, but uh, I've always felt I'd, I'd rather be a part of something new and on the come up and it, and you feel like you're actually a part of it than jumping into something huge yeah that's been happening for a long time yeah. there's no space left like austin yeah you know, like you know austin you know it, it's already done right? right i mean they've they've tipped and now it's all cool portland's probably in that same boat you know yeah. portland. um some of these bigger places have density that have helped them move move things along i really think this whole landscape of the third class cities is where the next next round is. You know, the next mm-hmm. hundred years of sort of folks going in and creating a difference in places like ours, um, you know, is is really where it's where it's at. And, and again, I think you're you're astute in recognizing it. You're like, I see it, right? I mean, I see the people's attitude change. I see the ages change. You know, the people that look at our folks, you know, like you under th- 35 and under who are owning businesses on main streets you know mm-hmm. just see them they're there it's not a fabrication we're not creating we're not telling a story that's not true and that's right. another very important part of all this is you have to be authentic um you have to be um real and uh and people will recognize that and then they're going to want to be a part of it too i think that's uh, that's been going on forever right you've got to be able to feel the authenticity of the thing and you know for a long time around here, somebody would open up a, a shop or whatever, and you'd say, well, I don't know if that's going to last. I don't know what this is going to do. I don't know how this is going to actually happen, mm-hmm. how they're going to survive. Uh, but now, and maybe it's because I wasn't directly involved in it either. I didn't see how it was going to survive. No, I, I'll tell you, though, it, there has been fits and starts, you know, and, and a lot of times, quite frankly, and I'd be rather critical, they weren't done correctly, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you when you open up a coffee shop, People have to walk in and say, this is a coffee shop. And what Sarah has done is create a coffee shop. And you walk in and it's wonderful and you know it. The environment, you know, pulls you in. Yeah. Uh, Railroad City, the brewery is the same way. You know, you walk in. It is a great 
place. It is built out in the way that you feel comforting, that the success happens. And, and um, you know, you look at the other shops that are starting to open up on, on Main Street, um, you know, these, you walk in and it's, it's, it's class A, it's, it's done right. And you have to do it right. That is such an important part of this. You cannot cut corners and think you're going to set something up to test the market. You have to own the market and you have to push yourself out in front and you'll succeed. Your, or at least your chances of success will increase. And, and that hasn't happened in the past. Yeah. It's, it's persistence and improvements along the way, but also just being able to I, I think social media has built this up a lot, too. But people have so many issues with social media, and I have issues with it as well. But at the same time, if you do it right and you're an authentic person and you are honest and you're really doing it for the reasons you say you're doing it and you're really the person you say you are, it's going to come across yeah. and it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Before, somebody could always second guess. Somebody could tell somebody something else, the fake news aspect of everything, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're not really sure. But if you have somebody... And well, I'll use Sarah as an example again, like who puts themselves out there, puts themselves on video, puts their business on video, puts their story and their life out there and the people that they work with and they interact with. And you, you eventually through that content, get a sense of, oh, this is a real person. You can only mm-hmm. fake it to so many people for you, so long. You're absolutely right. And in the case of Sarah, you know, and, and even again, we'll go back and forth with Sarah and the Railroad City folks, but you know, Sarah's also you know, you, the other part of that is talent. <laughs> you well, know, yes, it's yeah. like when you look at um, you look at her uh, watercolors. You know, when she does something online, I mean, it's amazing, and you get completely mesmerized in it because she can actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, wow, that's phenomenal. And then you buy the prints, and then you go to the shop, and then you build. She's building a, an entire brand around herself, which is super awesome. And uh, and the guys at Railroad City, you know, again, they're making good beer. It's not because the bar is great, even though I think it is, Mm -hmm. it's, you go there because the quality of the product that they're putting out is good and Mm -hmm. and great and people go back, you know, and, uh, and that gets back to the point is you, you know, these, these places that, uh, you know, Kerr Creations is is another one, you know, you walk in, that's all quality, you know, that is something that is not cut in corners there. And uh, it is a wonderful thing. And and there will be more announcements on the way. and, And these are things we're really excited about for, especially for 11th Avenue, and then hopefully in 2018 we'll have something up on 12th. So, I mean, these are really good stories that are happening. I've heard some rumors, and I'm not going to say anything, mm-hmm. but, yeah, what I've heard is ex- is very exciting. And another part of this is talking to I, – I did with with uh, the entrepreneurs in residence because we have the mm-hmm. Entrepreneur Penn State Center right down the hill, and I, I sat down for four hours, talked to like 10 kids – and the more kids that I talk to anymore, I, I, I don't know if I'm just talking to the right ones, but it seems like they're so honed in on who they are and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have a vision for it already. Like when I was 19, I didn't know what I was doing. I was yeah. just, a, I was lost. Yeah. And, and they, I mean, they're still, obviously they're still kids, so they're kind of lost. But at the same time, they have more of an idea of where they want to go and how they're going to get there. And they just have the right positive attitude that you need to have, yeah. and that's been yeah. lacking. Yeah, and the entrepreneur—I mean, these entrepreneurial programs—and you know, they're producing talent, right? And the people with talent and a vision are finding these programs, and they're like, they're getting even better, right? And um, I think one of the careful things we—I I, I think one of your points about fear or a challenge—you know—it will be that you know younger kids uh, today, you know, are going to need to. Uh, really have that vision because the separation, the divide between the haves and the have-nots are going to get greater and greater. Like you you either have it or you don't. Like we Mm -hmm. could fluff it 
right? We could take a few years to go find ourselves and still get back into the career path. Nowadays, you take two years off, so much is going to change that if you don't upskill and upskill and upskill and you stay on top of it, um, you're going to fall behind. Yeah. And that, that is something that's scary. And it is something we try to teach our, you know, our, our six-year-old Ella, you know, that you've got to, you know, you got to have this lifelong learning. I know it's been a, a, a sort of a, a standard word, but it's, it's for real. And uh, it's been a cliche standard word. People don't practice it as much as they need to. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a constant thing. And I think another important part of this is with how fast and quickly things are advancing and moving and changing you need to rely on other people more too because you're not going to have all of the knowledge you're not going to have all of the expertise and i was whenever i talk to businesses like you've got your your business down and you're you want to have your your facebook your social media work for your company like you want to have mm-hmm. it be on fire well you're not going to be able to do that yourself if you're running a business you're yeah. not going to be able to have that other full timer who's doing other stuff for you run that on the side and make it work right. you need to rely on somebody else to come in and do that for you because it's there's becoming it's too much yeah and it's just like doing a tv commercial or, or whatever you might have done in the past you didn't do that yourself mm-hmm. but for whatever reason social media is still so new i guess and so accessible that people look at it as well i can make a post a day and that'll be that'll suffice and you can yeah. do that you'll have the page but it's not going to make you money yeah and it's social media like like people like you you know who have the talent to to help add value to a lot of our businesses and this isn't a plug but take it as a plug of course what what we need is we need our companies, especially our larger companies that are legacy companies, they've been here a lot of years, to attract the talent that they need as retirements occur and and the labor participation rate begins to fall. They need to bring people in. Most of that's going to come from the outside, Mm -hmm. and most of that is going to rely on a social media platform that's robust, skilled, and, again, authentic to help them do that. And uh, if they're not using it, they're going to run into a problem because they're going to find it more and more difficult to attract people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, look, talent is the number one goal here, you know, bringing people back and um, understanding what social media and building partnerships and hiring folks that can do it uh, in the right way, you know, is a, is a critical part of this whole equation. Well, Steve, I know you don't have a whole lot of time left, but yeah. before you go, uh, just if there's anything you wanted to throw in, anything you wanted to say about our area or about what you've been doing, just uh, give the people what what you'd like to say. To no, I, I think, you know, we're, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to, to come in and, uh, you know, we can come back and do this, you know, on a regular basis, yeah. sort of get up to, up to speed on things. But I mean, th- look, the, the arrow's moving up and, and I think we all recognize it with, you know, especially in the downtown, but across the, the county, you know, there's been investments in all of our main street communities from Southern Blair out in the Cove um, uh, to Holidaysburg and Tyrone, you know, these are, these are destination Main Street areas. We call them our mountain Main Streets, and um, uh, I'm just completely optimistic of you know what what's going to happen here in the next uh, 10 to 15 years, especially. I think we're going to see some really you know big dynamic stuff, and uh, you know, and you're a part of it. The show's a part of it. And, you know, you're you're everything that you and others like you you know represent it. It's it's very cool. So that's the big message. You know, stay positive and uh, you know look look for good things to come. How can people find you if they want to find you online? Um, you can visit our website and check it. We encourage everyone to check it out. It's uh, abcdcorp.org, and you can see our messaging. Or um, you can also visit yourfirstfrontier.com, which is our uh, marketing brand, but it directs you to the same website. So you can you can see all the resources that are available for businesses starting up and uh, expanding. Very cool. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks, Rob. 
Have a wonderful day. All right. See ya. Awesome conversation with Steve McKnight. Thank you very much, sir. That was a good time and a, a very knowledgeable guy. I feel blessed to have him on the podcast. I feel blessed to be in the Launchbox Studios. I feel blessed to have sponsors for this podcast, like the Clay Cup in downtown Altoona, 1304 11th Avenue, at the Clay Cup on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, Sarah Vogel runs the Clay Cup. She's awesome because it's not just a coffee shop. Not just a tea shop, if you love tea like I do. Uh, they sell they sell other products, bagels, you know, oatmeal, soups, but also bring creativity into the works because you can have pottery classes. She te- teaches pottery classes. Um, she teaches watercolor classes. They just made bath bombs in there last week. The clay cup is awesome. And if you want to know more information, you can call her at 814-201-2608 at the clay cup on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you to Trade Secrets as well. On Facebook at Secrets and Trade, Instagram Trade Secrets underscore Skincare, a brand new business in downtown Altoona. It's family owned, operated. They make their own natural body care line of products. I just bought tons of my Christmas gifts actually for my family from Trade Secrets because everything is all natural, like uh, all natural deodorants and bath bombs, lip balms, wax melts, body lotions, whipped body butters, creamy sugar scrubs, handcrafted bath bars, clay cup and trade secrets downtown Altoona. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you ever want to be a part of the podcast, just send me a message. Facebook, Instagram, Rob Z Radio. Twitter and Snapchat is Rob Z Yo. And I appreciate you very much. Have a beautiful day. That's brutal.